Good morning, everybody. My name's Penny Houston with New South Wales DPI, and today I'm catching up with Dr. Kevin Moore. He's our chickpea guru man based at Tamworth, and Kev's about to go along servicely for a couple of years. But we thought we'd just have a bit of a chat about Ascochyta. It's a trip down memory lane for Kev and when it was first introduced and how we've managed it, how the breeding programs help combat it and yeah, just a bit of a where were we and where are we now kind of scenario. So morning, Kev. How are you going today? Well, thanks, Penny. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. So, Kev, I think Ascochyta was first seen in Eastern Australia in September 1998 and you were the man to find it, lucky you. Where did you find it? How did you know what it was? And what did it do to the crop? Okay, well, the, the fungus was actually first recorded in Australia in 1974, but it didn't cause widespread damage until the spring of 1998. And I was called, as you'll remember, it was a very wet, wet year, and I was called up there by a local agronomist who said, I've got these chickpeas out of Gurley, just on the eastern side of the Newell Highway at Gurley, and they don't look very good. And he described them to me. He said they look like they've had a blowtorch put over the top of them. And I knew immediately what it was. I knew it was Astakaida because I'd been to Syria to a carter in 1996 and 1997, and they have an Astakaida screening program there. So I actually saw the disease in the field. And as soon as the late Dallas Parsons told me about this crop that looked like it had the blowtorch over it, I knew straight away what it was. Yeah. So I went up there and bobbed my way into the paddock and sure enough, it was Ascochyta. The variety was Amethyst, which was a popular variety back in those days and very, very susceptible to Ascochyta and it wiped the crop out along with many other crops that year in the Moree, in the northern area. The two, Amethyst was the big variety and it was released in 1987 by Ted Knights and then in 1997, Ted released a variety called Gully, which is a beautiful chickpea. It had very useful resistance to virus, but it was very, very susceptible to Ascochyta. So it didn't last long at all. So, Kev, what was the state or size of the chickpea industry at the time before the Ascochyta came in? Was it mainly in the northwest of New South Wales or were they grown in Victoria? What did the industry look like in 98? Well, in 1998, the total Australian area of sown to chickpeas was about 310,000 hectares. And the bulk of that was in Victoria and South Australia. So the majority, I think Victoria had over 100,000 hectares of chickpeas in 1998. Wow. And within four weeks, because Ascochyta also occurred in Victoria, within four weeks they'd lost 90,000 hectares to Ascochyta. Just wiped the industry out. Yeah. And actually what it did, it saw a shift in the industry. So in 1998, there was about 130,000 hectares of chickpeas. About half the production area was in South Australia and Victoria. There was only 63,000 hectares in New South Wales. But by 2003, the bulk of the industry was in New South Wales and Queensland. And that remains that way today. And in 2016, as you recall, Penny, over a million hectares of chickpeas in the old GRDC northern region. So from Dubbo through to central Queensland, a million hectares. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Well, taught our cereal-based farming system farmers because they didn't have alternative winter crops. Like the Victorians had field peas and lentils and paper beans, whereas our, our blokes didn't. We really only had chickpeas as a profitable rotation crop for winter cereals. And Ascochyta taught our flat wheat farmers to be good chickpea growers. And to be a good chickpea grower, you have to know how to manage Ascochyta. Yeah, I think you're right. And you have to be so diligent in the paddock looking for the disease. 
which makes you then more attuned to be looking for other things or abnormalities in your cereal crops as well. Yeah. Correct. So back in 98, how did you gauge the extent of the problem? Was it just all crops in the northwest of New South Wales or did you start a crop survey program? How did you attack it, Kev? Okay, so what we knew about Asikaida and chickpeas was all based on overseas experience. And so I wanted to find out, did that overseas paradigm fit the Australian chickpea Asikaida situation? So we started off, we had three, it was a three-pronged approach. We had an education and awareness campaign that was organised together with Pulse Australia, in-crop surveys to determine the distribution of this disease and an experimental program to work out you know, how to manage it. So in 1998, we got the awareness and education program going. We ended up producing a 10-point management plan that was released in time for planting of the 1999 season, and that was widely adopted and accepted by the industry. I conducted in spring of 1998 from the end of September right through to the end of October. I surveyed 92 chickpea crops in northern New South Wales, southern Queensland. And I found Ascochida in every one of them. And that said to me, this thing's been here for a while. Yeah. It's gone unnoticed. Yep. And I think that's in part because unless conditions are really favourable for it and unless you really know what you're looking for, it is easy to miss. 1996 was a wet year, highly conducive to Botrytis grey mould. And I think in 1996, the Botrytis grey mould masked the Ascochida. Yep. So the Ascochida was building up under the canopy, in the lower canopy, masked by the Botrytis grey mould. And I think that's where it increased its inoculum and spread throughout the region, just waiting for another season to come along. And that happened in 1998. And yeah, now, of course, I- it's an endemic disease. That's right, because botrytis is such a visual disease and easy to spot compared to ascochida, especially when ascochida is little and just a few lesions here or there, it's pretty easy to miss if you haven't got a tuned in eye, which not many agronomists would have had in in 98. So, Kev... Oh, no, that was the first time they'd ever seen it. Yeah. So, Kev, you mentioned that the current diseases back then had no resistance. How did you link in the breeding program? Well, fortunately, I mean, Ted Knights had already initiated an Astakida selection program in the National Chickpea Breeding Program based here at Tamworth because Ted, being a good plant breeder, like all good plant breeders, they know that sooner or later all diseases are going to end up in, in Australia. And so Ted had already started a selection process. He'd identified sources of resistance in wild chickpea relatives and he'd made crosses. So he'd already got the ball rolling in developing agronomically adapted chickpea varieties with improved resistance to Ascochida. Yeah. In 2000, how's that was released? And it had significantly improved resistance to Ascochida compared to Amethyst and Gully. So that was a big breakthrough from Ted from the breeding program. And we had trials with how's that and it certainly confirmed that it had improved resistance. That's pretty amazing that that variety came out so quickly after the disease was first identified in the area. And like you said, Ted Knights had obviously done a great job knowing that some of the varieties had some of that resistance already. Yes, well, how's that was coded 851119. So the 8511, 11 would have been the year that he made the cross. Okay, yep. So what's that? So 10 years, he made the cross nine years before the variety was released. Yep. 
And the 19 means it was the 19th selection from that cross that he decided to promote and push through to a, a named variety. How's that? So he made the cross nine years before the variety was released. So that's, what, eight years before yep. the Ascochyta outbreak. Yep. So he was preemptive and visionary. Yeah, yeah. No, great. Do you want to talk us through a few of the other varieties that have come along through the breeding programs to get us to where we are today? Well, yes. I mean, how's that was a standout variety. It was a good variety. It was easy to harvest, a good seed size, yep, and it had improved right. resistance to Ascochyta. Yep. It was a variety that came out of Queensland called Jimball that Bob brings me to yep. bred and selected. Excellent variety, high yielding, tall, lowest pods way off the ground, so easy to harvest, but very susceptible to Ascochyta. But it's advantage. Yep, sorry, I was just going to say it was such a well-respected variety in the paddock for everything you've said and people still refer back to we'd like a Jimbo type or we wish we could still grow Jimbo because it was just such a stellar variety for height and yield and all the rest of it. So sorry for interrupting you, Kev. No, that's fine. The big thing about Jimbo was, apart from those agronomic traits, it had improved resistance to Phytophthora rubra, which of course was a major problem in that Darling Downs area and also certain parts of northern New South Wales. So Jimbor combined excellent agronomic characteristics, high yield, good seed size, and improved resistance to Phytophthora. Its only downside was it was very susceptible to Ascochyta. But by the time it was released, we had a pretty good management package for Ascochyta in place, and growers were prepared to grow Jimbor and manage Ascochyta. And Jimbor lasted for over 10 years. Yeah, yep. And actually, Hattrick, PVA Hattrick and PVA Boundary, which were released in 2005, PVA Hattrick was basically an Ascochyta resistant Jimbo. Yeah, okay. Yep. So Ted, Ted had incorporated Ascochyta resistance into a Jimbo background. So Hattrick had all of the attributes, that the desirable attributes of Jimbo, plus the Ascochyta resistance. Yep. And it was called Hattrick Penny because it had yield, Ascochyta resistance, and Photophora resistance. So the big three. The big three. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> and what came after Hattrick? It was, so it was Hattrick Boundary. They were released in the same year. Then there was a Carbally that was released, BBA Monarch. Yep. And then there was Seema. Yep. Seema was released in, when was Seema released? Oh, I can't remember. 16, I think it was. Yep. Yeah, 16. And there were a few others that were released. It's only been the last couple of years we've really seen much of the SEMA because it was kind of released at the start of the three-year drought for some of us. But um, I think SEMA's got pretty good. It's the best variety for ASCO resistance. Is that right, Kev? Yeah, in our region it is, yes. Yep. It's got the highest ASCO rating. And until 2000, until last year, we got no difference in yield between SEMA that had ASCO fungicides and SEMA that had no fungicides. Wow. Last year, we saw Ascochyta in commercial crops of SEMA doing some damage and one crop down at Forbes. And yes. this year, we're getting numerous reports of Ascochyta in SEMA. So it looks like the pathogens changed and can now cause damage on SEMA. Right. And moving on to El Capitano, CBA captain, what are your thoughts on it? It looks yes. pretty impressive, stands up pretty nicely, nice and tall. What do you think of the variety, Kip? It's a great variety. We had it in our trials last year and we've got it in our trials this year at Tamworth. And even though its Ascochyta rating is the same as BBA Hattrick, in our trials last year and again this year, CBA Captain is much better than Hattrick for Ascochyta. Yep. Much better. Not quite as good as SEMA, but far much, much better than Hattrick. And what about the Phytophthora and viruses, the Captain? 
there's no very, as far as we know, there's no difference in susceptibility to viruses amongst any of the chickpea varieties that are available today. And none of them are really that good for phytophthora conditions are favourable. They'll all go down. Yeah, and we're seeing, so seeing a fair bit of phytophthora this year. Yep. We certainly are, yes. Yeah. Yep. So, Kev, just going back a little bit again, can you talk us through a bit of your crop monitoring? So anyone who's spent some time in the paddock, both agronomists and farmers, would have seen Kev with his yellow stick, you know, wandering through the paddocks of northern, central New South Wales. How were you received at the time and was that an important part of your job and your role to be out in the paddock doing that kind of monitoring and scouting? I believe it was. We wanted to know what the disease was doing and when was it doing it. Yep. So I used to do my first crop inspections in northern New South Wales, southern Queensland in June, and then I'd go back again in late August, early September, and then maybe another final inspection towards the end of October. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a, an indication over time of, one, what the disease is doing and, more importantly, how the growers are managing it. And without exception, the industry's really got to learn how to manage Ascochyta. I mean, they're doing a great job. Yep. In fact, I don't, well, apart from the odd farmer your way who seems to be having trouble managing Ascochyta and SEMA, I'm not aware of any grower where, who hasn't been able to cost-effectively manage Ascochyta based on the combination of improved resistance and the management package that we've been developing over the years. That's a great tribute to both the farms and agronomists, the researchers and yourself, Kev, for promoting the management package and making growers aware that the disease has been out there and that kind of thing. So we really appreciate what you've done for us there. So what challenges do you see for the chickpea industry in the next 10 years? Well, that's probably best to ask the, the chickpea breeder, Christy Hobson, but New South Wales DPI and GRDC, Penny, as you know, have co-invested in a $30 million chickpea improvement facility here at Tamworth Agricultural Institute, and they're building it right now. There's cement yeah, it looks impressive. Slabs out there today. Yep. And it's, it's looking very impressive. They've appointed a junior breeder. There are now two breeders. They've got a quite a large staff looking at both field-based work and glasshouse Ascochyta screening work and phytophthora work. So I would imagine that ascochyta resistance will be ongoing. Improving phytophthora resistance is the next big challenge. And I know that Ted and Christy are looking at wild relatives to try and get some phyto-resistance into some commercial varieties. They're also looking at chilling tolerance. Yes. Some, there's some herbicide resistance work being done in conjunction with South Australia. I'm not sure what the other key traits are that they're pursuing, but you could, you could ask Christy Hobson that. Yep. Chickpeas are here to stay. I mean, whatever the price is good, and that's the thing. I mean, as you know, price is everything. If chickpea prices stay, you know, $600 a ton, which is what they are now, growers will continue to grow them. If they drop to 150 200 they won't grow them. No. I mean, you can't grow chickpeas profitably at, um, you know, $150, $200 a ton unless you can crack full ton. Yep. But $600, um, they can make good money up. That's right, that's right. We've been lucky to see some prices even higher than that recently, but as we know, pulses seem to be subjected to the greatest price volatility and you know, we end up seeing to have some interesting tariffs and other restrictions from the subcontinent who's our main market. So opportunities yes. for the chickpea industry, you've kind of half alluded to some of them. I think for me, some of the most interesting work is the chilling tolerance work that's going on in that might be able to yes. expand the industry further both south and to the east. What are your thoughts on opportunities? Yes. 
Well, I know there's a bit of interest in chickpeas in the Northern Rivers area on the eastern side of the Great Dividing Range. I'm not holding my breath on that one. I think the environment over there for the varieties that are available is just too conducive to diseases. Yeah. I think if the industry expands in that Northern Rivers area, you know, around Lismore, Grafton, Casino, I think diseases are just going to cause all sorts of problems. And of course, insects. But I mean, they're inter- there's an interest in the chickpeas in that you know, Northern Rivers area, inland, they've expanded as far as they can go. There's chickpeas being grown as far west as the cropping belt goes mm-hmm. and as far north as the cropping belt goes. I looked at chickpeas in 20 at Dysart. Well, Dysart's bloody, what, the 150 kilometres north of Emerald. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And, yeah, they started harvesting their chickpeas at Dysart in bloody late August, early September. Yeah, a lot of them are off, and even there's some up at, around Julia Creek. I think there's been a bit of opportunity cropping of chickpeas happening up, up, right. up around there as well. Yeah. Getting a fair way north up there. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to go on a road trip here. Outback Adventure Tours. (laughs) Yeah, well, fortunately, I like working on chickpeas, one, because I like the crop, and it's a fascinating crop to work on, but most importantly, it's a winter crop. (laughs) And I'd hate to be at Julia Creek in the the middle of summer. (laughs) You and me both. You and me both. I don't even even like being at Moree in summertime. (laughs) Yeah, we said. Talking to an agronomist up there. You go. I was talking to an agronomist up there that does cotton agronomy as well as chickpea and winter crop agronomy, and he said, I'm sitting under this, this is in January or something, mid-January, he said, I'm sitting under this tree and it's 42 degrees in the shade under the tree and it's probably close to 50 in the crop and they just irrigated it so you can imagine what the humidity would have been like, the mosquitoes and the mud, and I thought, wow, I'm glad I'm not a cotton pathologist. Oh, yeah, I'm hearing you, Kev. I think that was the end of me when you're in the just irrigated cotton crops and sweat's dripping off your face and you can't even, you know, see the eggs on the leaf and then you've got a brown snake next to your leg. Yeah. Yeah, I had a bit of fun in that space for a while, but I'm with you. I kind of prefer the winter crops now. (laughs) But, yeah. yeah, we have seen a big expansion in the chickpea area, not area, in the districts where it's grown. I know when I first came to the Central West, mentioning chickpeas at Mingan and out that way because it's a red soil, in inverted commas, was thought to be not really a possibility. But we've certainly grown some really cro- good crops up that way and seeing a few more grown around Cowra and further south that way. So I'm thinking the industry you know, is a very healthy one and we'll see further expansion of the industry. Yeah, definitely. I've seen some pretty handy chickpea crops out at Duralambone and Hermadale yep. and down on that road south of Ningen down towards, where's it go, down to Tullamore? Yeah, Tottenham. Tottenham then down to Tullamore. Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we've yeah. had some good ones at Tottenham yes. too, which some of the yes. other locals were surprised about the first time we grew them there. Yeah. So, Kev, we'll just we'll wrap it up now, but just from my own point of view, I'd like to thank you personally for everything you've done for me when I used to be an agronomist in the paddock. The fact that you were always accessible you're always happy to have a chat. You had a consistent message and you're out in the paddock and, you know, helping show me what disease was what, you know, helped myself and my knowledge. And yeah, it's been great having you around and great having you as a friend. So thanks for all you've done for me and for the rest of the industry in the last 52 years right. now, is it, Kev? 52? Nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure and an honour working with people like yourself, Penny. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Oh, we sure will. And Kev, Thank you very much for your time again and, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up soon. See you. Thank you. Bye.